Hey everyone, I'm your host, Brittany Baker, and this is Tech Me As I Am, the podcast bringing self-love to corporate America, where we equip you with the tools to love yourself better in the workplaces and show up as your authentic self. So let's be real, let's get courageous, and let's dive in. Hello, hello. I am so happy to have everyone tuning into today's episode. We have quite a bit to unpack here as we discuss a topic that is near and dear to my heart. And we have an amazing guest today who will be helping us dig a bit deeper into a recent partnership between LinkedIn and Dove on why black hair is professional. She is a creative executive who has drawn over 30 million views to her original digital comedy content. Her voice can be heard in her partnerships with HBO Max, The Shine App, and Netflix, just to name a few. You can find her audio show, Dating Unsettled, a show designed to validate women daters. Joy Ofodu, we are so happy to have you here and being willing to be vulnerable with us. So thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yes, we are super happy to have you here. So wanted to jump right in. LinkedIn and Dove recently launched a campaign saying how black hair is professional and myself being a black woman and dealing with these challenges and in honor of the conclusion of Black History Month and Women's History Month um, and that intersectionality, my hair journey was really, really crazy. And up until maybe like two, three years ago, it was very difficult for me to go into the workplace with my natural hair. Like if I went to an interview, I had to make sure that my hair was straightened, that I wasn't too Afrocentric. So talk to me a little bit more about your hair journey and if you struggled with some of those same things. I'm really curious to know. Okay, so I mean, I grew up in the East Bay area to Nigerian-American immigrant parents. And I think that there are ways of handling hair in Nigeria and there are ways of handling hair here. And so it was all about trying to find those like African aunties to braid. You know what I mean? And my mm-hmm. mom used to do braids and little, oh my gosh, what are those things called? Uh, the bobbles, you know what I'm saying? Little mm-hmm. clips, like yep. hanging off the hair. So that's kind of how I grew up. But once the hair started getting unruly, right? And these are all these mm-hmm. negative monikers we ascribe to our hair. Then it became about making it manageable. So I started to have this idea of it being me versus my hair, right? Or my mom versus my hair. And you feel like your hair is, a, or I grew up feeling like my hair was a burden. My hair was super different from others in class. It was different from others once I started working. I felt very frustrated by the texture of my hair, was and is very forcey, coily, <laughs> yep. you know, like yep. full, full detangler necessary yep. hair. Yep. So after I kind of quote unquote graduated from braids, I mean, I didn't have my first like wig slash weave till late in high school, junior or senior year of high school. That's when I started being like, okay, maybe I can change the look. It's not so like Afrocentric or, oh, I totally had the emo, like tonight will be the night that I will fall for you. (laughs) You know, like I had the bang over the eye emo thing, like flat iron pressed to the gods, like burnt crispy i can smell my hair so like oh i, damaged- I remember those the smell of the hair that's how you know oh, you got yeah. it right <laughs> and relaxer was regular relaxer was expected relaxer was normal there was no doing my hair without relaxer mm. none of that really changed until i got to college and i saw you know kind of the rise of natural hair care bloggers and black women around me handling their natural hair yeah. i was like all right wait a minute this might be something so i did do a bit of a big chop of all the dead ends 
before I went fully bald and that happened in college. And I just started wearing wigs so that I could heal my hair underneath. In terms of black hair being professional, I have a really crazy history with my hair, especially in college. So that's when I started working, you know, in admissions and desk jobs. And but I was crazy. Like sometimes I would go out with a straight bang, long, flat, you know, wig. And then the next day I might have the curly wig. Then the Mm. next day, short curly. Then the next day, wavy. I just really didn't care. I was under no pretense. It's like I cared, but I didn't. I cared to be presentable in some way, shape or form to have the hair done, whether it's weave, wig. I cared to have it done, but I was not nervous necessarily in college. And I guess I'm lucky that that, you know, train of black hair being professional. I'm lucky that that passed me a bit to where I did feel like I could show up with any style, but it had to be a style. Like, I'm not Mm. sure there were ever mornings I just woke up and it was just sheer the hair off my head, no pineapple, you know, because I do remember going into work with a couple of pineapples from time to time where you just push that hair up and let the crown. But there was no it just growing from my head. It just right. growing from my head was undone. And that sucks because if you think about it, white girls, Latin girls, Asian girls, they're waking up with the hair that grows up out of their head. Yep. And yeah, there's brushing. Yep. Yeah, there's spraying, spritzing, but it's done. Yeah. And we black women don't believe half the time if you just wake up, it's done. Yep. So for yep. me, it's just the nature of whether or not you brush, comb, pineapple it, Senegalese, twist it, braid it, weave it, wig it, whatever you feel comfortable in being your hair and being ready for work. Like that is what I hope for people. I came to that through my series of trials and errors and then did a big, big chop and ultimately just said, I don't want to focus on what's on my head. I want to focus on what's in my head. I want to go to work and I want to learn. I want to grow. I'm in technology. Mm. I do not have time waking up at 6 a.m. to make a San Francisco train to be at the office by 8.30 to eat breakfast to start my first meeting by 9. I do not have time to be doing an hour of hair every morning. So I went bald and I buzzed it. And that's, it's been, I don't know, maybe four, I mean, this isn't completely bald, but it's been four beautiful though. It is such a statement. Like, can we talk about the statement and what that takes inside to say, I'm doing this? Because how much of our identity is attached to our hair just as women in general? You know what's funny? People do kind of, I guess, put that on in a sense. They put that on me and they go like, oh, you're so brave, queen. And it's like, you know what? Actually, I think I was just irritated. I think Mm. I was fed up. I felt like my hair on my head was foreign. Mm. And that was the day that I like called in. So I had been thinking about it. I've been picking it out of my head. There's a word for that when you're nervous and you pick hair out of your head because I was so stressed about work and just, you know, the post-college transition. So I had been doing different things and I was just like, this hair on my head, I don't even feel connected to it. The whole point of my natural hair journey, I felt based on what I saw on YouTube and on Instagram was to feel deeply connected to my hair, through the products, through the positioning, mm-hmm. through the poisons, mm-hmm. through the whatever it is. I felt like I was supposed to be like, oh, yes, hi. You know, I'm one with the earth and da, da, da. And I did go natural and I felt that for like two minutes. And suddenly just all this stuff on my head felt like I just didn't feel emotionally or spiritually connected. I was literally like, if I could lose this hair, I would not care. Yeah. So why don't I just lose it? So I did. And I guess it was freeing in a sense What was really cool for me was putting my flat hand on my head for the first time in like 20 years. Wow. You know, my dad touched my head, my friends touched my head, you know, my family, and they were just like, whoa. Like, and there was something, there was something very intimate 
about that and very yeah. sweet, you know, that people can see me, feel me. You know, there were people who told me like, I could see your face. You know, and I can see wow. it now. So that that was kind of cool. Like, how beautiful is that to take something like that inside of you and yeah. be able to like say, "This is me," because you had to accept yourself to do that. You had yeah. to be like, "This is how powerful I am. This is how much I'm centering myself in me." The acceptance came later, though. Like, it's not for me. It wasn't like a build up, build up, build up. I'm so confident. I'm so hundred percent that I can cut this off. Mm. It was more so. I'm frustrated. I don't want to think about this. Just get it off, please. And then once that came off, then the journey, I think, mm. of acceptance of what my face looks like from like all angles, not just, you know, this minimal front we'd be seeing when we do those bangs. Yeah. What does my face and my head look like from all angles? What does it feel like in different seasons? What does it feel like in intimate settings? Like that came after cutting mm. it. So that was a bit of a journey. And Frankly, you know, I'm still on it. There are times I get mistaken. There are times that human beings, human beings, even even Black women would say, excuse me, sir, just because they would like see me from behind and I would get misgendered. I'm a woman. <laughs> I've always been a woman. Mm. And so that was a very out-of-body experience to be in like the aisle of an airplane or at a cashier and like, oh, of course, sir. I'm like, Wow. Where? Wow. Yeah. So that was crazy. It's like, I don't think people are used to seeing dark skinned black women bald and still feminine question mark. Right. That's they don't. I mean, let's, let's really be honest about it. Like we don't, what woman King. I mean, like, yeah, right. We got something where we have something out there to have representation recently, but like, where do we really get a chance to see women, beautiful women inside and out? Like, being able to show up in that way and be looked at as who they are. And I think there is a false like misconception about adult Black women and their hair that like, you know, the longer and luscious and wavy and blah, blah, blah that it is, the more you care, which is so weird, right? Or like the longer the locks, the more effort you're putting into it which is just false. We know that people yeah. deal with a whole range of issues from like me picking out hair or whether it's someone has alopecia or premature right. baldness or so this misconception that like, like even saying your hair is your crown, yeah. you know, which is a spiritual belief for some, I think can be problematic. Your hair is another part of your body. And if you choose to put that much value into it, it's just about being okay with losing it. I don't, I personally, I joy don't ever want to be so attached to a body part of mine that losing it makes me lose my royalty or my, you know, I just didn't like putting that much on my human form. When we attach ourselves to external things yeah, and we don't work on it from the inside, that's where if you lose it, you lose your identity, you lose your sense of self. And it's kind of like, well, I'm attaching myself. I think T.I. has said it. it was like, you live by the praises, you die by the booze, right? Like mm -hmm. if I'm always going to be like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, mm -hmm. when I don't get it, how bad am I going to feel about myself because I've attached myself to that thing, you know? Right. Like how do we help us? And this is another thing too, like even in, in corporate spaces, I think this kind of, it goes deeper than that, right? It goes down to the trauma that, you know, Black people in general have had to deal with when it comes to our hair because We've attached ourselves not just to our external, everything, a lot of things are external. 
are the what we wear, what we how we go about doing different things. And we're not realizing the trauma that it's not us accepting who we are inside and feeling so beautiful. Because if you lose something, then what? How do you feel happy inside? You, the happiness comes from the love within ourselves, you know, and it just plays that the biases in corporate America. I feel like if you go into job interviews or you feel so external to I don't feel comfortable. Like I would never wear my hair like this in a job interview, you know? Mm, so like mm -hmm. it was a complex that I had within myself because I didn't love myself. I didn't realize that if I didn't have straight hair going into that job interview, I wouldn't feel like I was able to fit in with people that didn't look like me. And so for me, my hair journey was like, I want to be accepted. I want to be not different. You know, yep. and when you take that away from me, if you take away my hair, what do I have? And if you're using that as a means to not let me have this particular job or this opportunity, well, then how do I feel about myself? Because you're taking something away from me that is external. What I think is interesting is like we are using sometimes, not all the time. There's first of all, can I just say there's a love of protective styles. And there's absolutely. a love of doing the styles yes. and laying the wig yes. and having the different colors. And the, yes. so yes. there's absolutely no shame in saying, you know, this is actually the way that I prefer to wear my hair. I like it long. When I close my eyes, I see myself with long wavy hair, whatever you like. I, yes. I don't care. I absolutely yes. don't. And I love it all. But I think that there's a way that we are afraid of being natural in our kinkiest, coiliest, curliest state because it makes us vulnerable. And we are already the most vulnerable group. We are mm -hmm. paid the least, promoted the least, mm -hmm. and in a really vulnerable position just as Black women already. Then you yep. put us in the workplace where we, you know, those stats perpetuate. Yep. We are vulnerable walking around. So we wear masks, right? Yep. We mask up and we shield ourselves and hair can be a part of that. Yep. If you've got hair that isn't yours, then if someone critiques it, questions it, touches it, etc., mm -hmm. then it's not really you. you. And so How it doesn't deep really is that? Isn't that funny? Say that it's, again. Say that one more time. If you have hair that isn't yours and someone mm -hmm. critiques it, cuts it, colors it, touches it, whatever, it's not you. So if they ask you about it, oh my god, this is it just feels disconnected from you. It's still annoying, but it's yeah. it's not you. So you are protecting yourself by adding layers on top, by adding sheen on top, by adding the curls on top, by adding the wig on top, by adding the cap, the bow, and you get to stay safe underneath. Mm -hmm. But when you've got your natural hair out, if somebody's reaching for it, if somebody's right. asking you about it, if they're noticing that mm. it changes, they're seeing you, like they're seeing natural you. And so I think that because Black women in the workplace are already masking and already guarded to add on this pressure to have your natural hair out is like sometimes unfair. <laughs> it's like, okay, so I have to bring, it's the whole, bring your whole self, whole self to, work. to work. Yep. We mm -hmm. know that one. <laughs> Paradox or conflict because shoot, I am a Gen Zer. I did feel like I could bring my whole self to work. I was allowed to be silly and I was allowed to be loud. In corporate America, I worked at Instagram for four and a half years. I was allowed to do that in ways that I felt based on what I perceived and what I was told my like older black colleagues were not, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, oh, y'all, y'all can't say it. Okay. I'll say it for you. You know, like, yep. because I can't, I'm, you know, the quote unquote, it's like the baby of the workplace, right. Is mm -hmm. allowed so many mistakes and 
experimentation and vulnerability. So if I want to show up with this hair one day and this hair the next day and blah, 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 well, she's still learning, you know? So I think that it is fair to expect that if we're already asked to be so much, to show so much, to show up in social settings, to come to the happy hour, to be friendly, to da, 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 like that wears on us. And if, if having a protective style is a way to protect our self-esteem, then go and so be it. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. I really think that when it comes to like loving ourselves, I think that's what it ultimately comes down to. Like everything that we do in life is about really, truly being able to freely love ourselves. And as you, I don't know, I've been on my own personal journey of like learning how to love myself because it took me a long time to get to this point where I could feel comfortable wearing my natural hair and doing that. I mean, there's sometimes I do want to wear my hair straight or sometimes I do want to put weave in or I want to get braids done. or And that's what I think is so freeing about like just being able to be Black woman is that we get to do so many different things with our hair. We can try it. different things out, you know? Yeah, that's what's hilarious. If I see a black woman's headshot and then I know I'm going to have a virtual meeting with her or meet her in person, I have zero expectation that it's going to be the style that I see (laughs) at all. If she's got straight hair in the photo, I might see her with, you know, I might see her bald. I have no idea, no clue. Absolutely. She's blonde. I might meet her brunette. I I do not know. And I do not, it's it's not, I don't care, but it's actually that I'm rather, I'm rather excited to see what she decides to pop up with. And that used to be me, like at school class, I would go to, you know, I was at USC. I go to an 8 a.m. in one wig. I would go to the afternoon lunch in my natural. The evening would be a different wig. Sometimes three hairstyles a day. Wait, hold on. Is that you said three hairstyles a day? Oh, I'm being so serious. I would literally do like curly wig for the morning shift, short. It was like super curly. I could probably find the name somewhere. One of those sensational synthetic wigs. And then in the afternoon, I might be like, eh, and just, you know, put the hair in a bandana or like the fine apple and, you know, go study or blah, blah, blah. And then by the evening time, I was working in Hollywood. So I would do red carpet photography and I would just put that bang wig would go on. And I would have a different wig, three in a like, day. I, I don't think care. That's ad, I think that's agility. Sometimes, that's, like that's sometimes it's like, look, I gotta be over here. I gotta do this. You know, there's so many. I don't you know. know. It's a wig for different occasions. It's like <laughs> putting on shoes. If you could go to three different events, you'd have on different shoes. And so to me, hair was the same, and I didn't <laughs> mind. And I bet people were looking at me crazy, but at the same time, <laughs> like what mattered most as a professional is my work was undeniable. Right. right? So right. I'm leading a team of interns, or I am doing photography or I'm nailing my academics. Black hair is professional to me because as long as you do what you need to do, shouldn't nobody be worried about what's on your head? At all. At all. Yeah. (laughs) The work is done. Black, my hair has absolutely nothing to do with this role whatsoever. So that's why black hair is professional. If you got the work to back it up, I'm saying no one should be questioning what's on your head. I'm but saying. if your work is slipping, that may not be the time to disappear <laughs> for a day and show up with braid. Just saying. like, wait a minute. How did you get that done? Like uh, those questions I would get when I used to live in further deep in the East Bay. Did it grow overnight? Oh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> Stephanie, it did. I know, asking. I know, I know. But it, see, it's it's not, It's I, I don't want to say is ignorance bliss, but I don't know if it's ignorance. I just, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. You know, sometimes, I mean, again, a lot of times, all the times, I feel like the only reason that you can be envious of someone or be jealous and not even, you know, like, I'm not being jealous. I'm not being by, I'm not being racist. It's if you don't love yourself. If you can't love yourself mm. and see who you are from within, 
True. You are never going to be able to truly love others. And that goes for others from all ethnicities, others in your family, others in your friends. You are going to be a toxic person because you're hurting and not realizing it and on, are on autopilot. You're just hurting people along the way. And until you really, really, really take a step back and say, who am I? And can I get on this journey and understand myself better? Will you really be able to show up as you? And I feel like that just, to me, love breaks and heals all. It breaks all the toxic things. It breaks all the hurtful things, hate, and it just brings peace and, you know, unity. Just mind your business also. <laughs> if you can't, if you can't love yourself, please mind your business. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. me. So talk to me a little bit more about like the Dove and the LinkedIn partnership and what it's meant to you. I saw you did a post on LinkedIn about the partnership. Talk to me a little bit more about like why you decided to stand up and be an advocate for the space. Well, so Dove reached out to me through an agency and they really have been about this. It's not brand new. I actually did partner with them last year, I think towards the end of the year on the Crown Act as well. So we have been advocating for legislature that protects Black women and all from discrimination based on the natural hair that's up on their head. <laughs> it's something so simple that you almost wish... It didn't have to go to legislature. You wish people would just do it. But America is a sick and twisted place. And America is a place that is very bigoted and biased. And still, this is me representing my own views only, you know, inherently racist. We are systemically and inherently racist, the foundations of this country to where we are now. So we are unworking a lot as opposed to establishing, right? We're trying to deconstruct and tear down and ban and ratify. We should be building and growing at our big age, yeah. <laughs> at America's big age. But I was honestly just honored there. It was a no brainer for me on sharing my story. I also have a weird career, I guess you mm -hmm. could say, of being so artistic you know, all that time in undergrad and so professional because I was working with NAACP and I was consulting on different brands. I was a Disney intern and then graduated college with a full-time job in technology where I was at Instagram for four and a half years, flying to New York and I'm flying to Berlin and I'm flying to Atlanta and then I'm doing research in LA. I'm conducting events here and I'm blah, blah, blah. Like I was very visible in the tech industry and people started to look to me as like a symbol, a signal, inspiration, motivation. I was like, this is really cool. Cause I'm like 21, <laughs> like, wow. you know, <laughs> like, okay, sure. So I felt designated in that way to like carry myself in a way that would represent us well, and then also yeah. pull us in through the door. So I think mm. to me, like this Dove campaign is the be not the beginning, but it is for me, right, because we have been partnering and Dove has been on this for a while, but it's a bit of the beginning of pulling other people into being really comfortable in the way that they appear. Yes. And through my platform, because I've been publishing short form videos online, some are dating stories. I would say a good 90% of them. <laughs> Others are affirmation. And those are actually my most popular videos where I'm just speaking directly to the camera when something comes onto my heart and motivating people. I think that this has grown because people just need to hear a voice that's yeah. telling them like, it's okay to be you. It's okay to show up here. You're loved. I was the host of a meditation app called the Shine app, 
which was a Black and Asian woman-owned meditation app every single day. There was a podcast. You can still listen to it on podcast platforms. It's called The Daily Shine. And so when I narrated The Daily Shine, I would get responses from women, workers, people, everyone. Thank you for helping me unwork the stress. I'm in recovery. This is valuable. I heard from hundreds, if not thousands of people through the feedback who would listen to The Daily Shine every day. And I've just realized that my gift and my talent and my charge and how I'm supposed to show up is to heal people through my voice. Mm-hmm. Like healing with humor, healing with writing, hearing with meditation, healing with voiceover. But when I give people a good laugh, when I give people permission, like the Dove campaign, permission to be them and to accept themselves, like yeah. it's just healing. So yes. that's what I really yes. aim to do with my company. That's what 30 million people have taken to. And I'm just hyped to be in this moment. Again, it feels like a lot because I've been working, but it's it's truly the beginning of what I think I'll be able to do. And I'm happy that Dev could be a part of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and LinkedIn. Yeah. I was going to say, and LinkedIn too. <laughs> and absolutely. LinkedIn. Being somebody that personally you know, works for the company. I mean, it's a company that embodies really inclusivity. And to be honest, was able to be like the first experience I ever had being able to like heal myself even more than, you know, I had already started the journey, like being in an environment of people that care and want to make a statement and want to challenge the status quo and really care about seeing progress. Like Mm. whenever you align yourself to that mission or that thing that drives you, something that makes you just feel whole, you just kind of grab onto it and you make sure you align yourself with other organizations. And I'm so glad that, you know, LinkedIn and Dove came in together and embodied that and created a safe space for Black women and making Black hair professional. LinkedIn is so about it. I love LinkedIn. Shout out to them. Uh, them slash y'all. Yeah. LinkedIn is really great. They were the first platform to accept me into like a managed creator program. Mm -hmm. So that's where I had like a creator manager and like insights into the platform before any other platform. So I was just really grateful for that. And I'm a LinkedIn top voice now. So publishing about my professional journey as a creative executive, as a voice actor, as a podcast host, as a content creator, all the different multifaceted parts of me. Publishing on LinkedIn has enabled me to reach tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people every year, maybe maybe a million by the end of the year, but it's enabled me to reach hundreds of thousands of professionals with my updates and get more gigs and get more invites and more speaking and more voiceover. So that's yes. been really special. I need LinkedIn like I need water. <laughs> I need LinkedIn like I need water too. They Don't go anywhere bills. LinkedIn. Yeah, we, <laughs> but even we just like the y'all. outside of that, the people. Very seriously. People, you know? Well, okay. Then that's another thing is that Company-wise, every time I've either visited the LinkedIn office or met with a LinkedIn employee, like I've never heard a bad thing. Like people have great things to say about working there and the culture. And I just think, I think it shows, you know, LinkedIn is a bit later than some other companies to invest in the creator economy specifically, but it's just because they realize that employees who are posting about being employees are writers, you know, they're sharing photos, they're photographers. If they're sharing videos, they're video creators. So it was cool that there was this shift of like, wait, the consumers or users of LinkedIn are actually creators on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, yeah. And I was like, (laughs) hi, I'm Joy. I post every week. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, I wanted to say thank you so much for being with me today and launching, honestly, the first episode. I think this is such a beautiful moment. I feel like I got to share with you and it really, really, really warmed my heart. So thank you for being here. 
Yay, I'm glad. Happy to. Awesome. All right, girl. Well, until next time, everyone, thank you so much for listening in. We will be returning back later in episode two with another future guest that we have coming. So really excited to uh, let you all know who that will be. So until next time. Thank you.